Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, friends? Thank you for hopping on the podcast. And like the last couple of weeks, we've got another guest. Last week, we had Mrs. Kathy Lewis. And this week, we have Mr. Michael Lewis. Hey, hey. He's the man behind the soundboard, behind the lighting, behind the audio, everything. He's up in the booth. And so, hey, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do here? You obviously, he's the man behind the curtain making everything run here at church. Yeah, I'm kind of like a bootleg wi- Wizard of Oz, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, also, Pete, who's behind the cameras right now, does a lot. Yes, uh, we love so Pete. Pete, we're going to get you on here one of these days. Big shout out to Pete. Pete says no. <laughs> I say yes. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I'm in charge of making sure that everything runs smooth for our services. So I run the audio, um, help volunteers run our slides, and uh, Pete helps with lights and slides and audio too. So it's a yeah. team effort for yeah. sure. Um, and, you know, if there's any feedback during the services, I'm the one held responsible. So that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm mad. It's too loud. It's too quiet. Yeah. Like, they do Lewis. the thing where you go, oh. And pretend to turn a knob down. It's oh, it's so much better. Move. Yes, yeah, there you go. You got it. Oh, and, and you can give a shameless plug right now. Do you need any volunteers oh, yeah. for lighting, slides, audio? Yeah. We're always looking for volunteers. So okay. Um, especially coming up, we're, we're doing an upgrade, so we're going to have a new camera system. Getting fancy. So we're going to need camera operators, people for uh, probably that'll be camera and lights. Okay. And then um, we're always looking for slide people, and we're going to want people to volunteer on audio soon too cool. so all right so if, if you're, you're interested, interested hit this guy up michael lewis michael.lewis mm-hmm. at erc.la that's it all right dude we're, <laughs> we're wrapping up mark today mark 16 um what, what stood out to you resurrection wow okay and, and you and i were talking initially and you said this chapter really is meaningful easter is meaningful because there was a period in your life where you grew up in the church but then kind of like, I don't know what I really think about this. And yeah. tell us. Yeah, so um, I walked away from the church at when I was like 18. And I just had a real dark period where I just basically became like an atheist. And I just hmm. questioned everything, didn't really see how God could exist. And um, then God pulled me out of that. And when, when I got saved, I struggled really bad with a lot of spiritual concepts because I had such a humanistic mindset. Um, kind of coming into it. And one of the things I've struggled with really badly is a resurrection because it's so unusual. Yes. And I think it's, I think it's actually like now that I've, I've been walking with the Lord since like 2003 or something like that. So almost 20 years. And I used to try to pretend like I didn't struggle with it because I felt like ashamed that I was oh. having a hard time yeah. with such like a crucial part of our faith. But now as I've studied more and more, I realize like it's actually kind of a wacky belief that we have from the, from an outsider's perspective. For sure, like to us, it's normal because we all agree with it. But from the outside looking in, it could very easily be like, "Really, you believe someone was raised from the dead? That's weird." It's, you know, it's wild. It, it's a it's kind of an out there belief in yeah. that sense. Um, but the more I looked into it, the more it started to make sense to me how the resurrection is the only answer for the, the Messiah based on the, the prophecies. The scriptures. And, and what really locked it for me is the prophecies. Okay. You know, uh, and looking at how, you know, these things were written thousands or hundreds of years before the fact. Yes. You know, and then 
here comes Jesus, who, if you read Isaiah 53, it's like, whoa. Yeah, he's fulfilling all of them. Dot in the I's, crossing the T's, it's precise. Yeah. So you had brought up Isaiah 53. Is there a part of that that sticks out to you specifically? So there is, and it's because, like, when you go through the Messianic prophecies, and I don't know them all by heart or anything, like, I haven't spent years studying them. Um, I... I know, though, that there's no specific prophecy that says that specifically the Messiah will rise from the dead in three days. Like, there's concepts in there that mm-hmm. point to it, but there's no specific prophecy that directly says he's going to raise from the dead. But in Isaiah 53, um, i got to pull it up here, 8 through 11, I think, is what really, like, clinched it for me. It says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, which means he was killed. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. Why didn't he need a grave if he was alive, right? And with the rich in his death. So that's pretty clear, Yeah, pretty accurate. Yeah. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And Mm. though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. Yeah. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Mm. So how is he going to see the light of life if he's dead? Bingo. How does that work? Yeah, the resurrection. And like the poor disciples, this is a, the other thing that stuck out to me is like, I actually really identify with the disciples in this chapter. Yeah. They don't believe it yeah. because the idea, there was three things that were would have been really, really hard. There's probably more than that, but there's three specific things that I think would have been really tough for them. Uh, knowing like yes. what was taught about the Messiah at that time. The idea that the Messiah was God was a foreign concept yep. to them. That wasn't really taught in the mainstream Pharisaical Judaism, Judaism at the time, yeah. the idea that the Messiah would die was like really nuts. Unheard of. Because how is he going to liberate us from Rome? He's supposed to be a king, right? Who comes rolling in victorious. Yeah. Yeah. So how the heck is he going to die if he's going to liberate us from Rome? Like that can't <laughs> happen. And then the idea that he's going to also be raised from the dead was totally like fringe, very fringe. For sure. So the disciples... You know, it's easy to give them a hard time and go, oh, silly disciples, <laughs> how did you not get it? Yeah, but the reality is, it's like, if I was in their shoes, I would have been in the exact same spot. Yeah. I would have been going, yeah, yeah. we were just in a cult and <laughs> this guy was a phony. I don't know how he did those miracles, but yeah. like he definitely wasn't the Messiah because obviously he's he's gone. Yeah. So yeah. What, what am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> For sure. For sure. That, that, that's kind of what stood out to me. And if you listen to the sermon on Easter, that's what I preached about was like, there's this, there are period in our lives where we wonder like, God, where are you? God, how could a loving God allow fill in the blank to happen? And how the resurrection proves that God is for you. Like, that doesn't mean there won't be hardship. God actually tells us there's going to be hard times in life. Hmm. But the resurrection of Jesus proves that God who saw us, who were enemies of Christ, died for us. Mm. But didn't only die and defeat Satan and sin, he came back to life so that we could also have resurrected life. You're like, he is so for us. Who does that? Well, a loving God does that. Yeah. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, that's cool hearing kind of your story wrestling with God and the actual scriptures. And I love that you use scripture to 
help make sense of the new, like the Old Testament, to make sense of the New Testament. Yeah, That's really neat. That that became super crucial to me when I uh, started interacting with my dad, um, who is Jewish. So okay. I have like some Jewish background. I'm kind of a composite. Like I have you know Scotch Irish on the one side, and then I have like uh, Hungarian Hebrew on the other side. A beautiful blend. Yeah, yeah. you know, just a mutt. No and, way, man. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And the 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 fulfillment of prophecy part of it became a lot more important to me after speaking with my my dad about yeah. it and stuff. And I realized I really never paid that close of attention. I just mm. always assumed, well, of course it's true because I've heard it my whole life. You know, Jesus died for your sins and he's the yeah. Messiah. So I'm going, well, did he fulfill the prophecies? <laughs> like, yes. That's kind of important. And, and uh, we're friends, so obviously I know this about you. They might not, but you also got to do a semester abroad in Israel, right? Yeah, yeah, I did, which well, I'm super grateful for. That yeah. was like, changed change the way that I see especially like the gospels and the new yeah. testament so that's cool that's cool well michael anything else verses one through eight that kind of stands out to you from the resurrection or just the resurrection in general um no i think we pretty much covered it i mean it's okay. yeah it's crucial and hard to believe but it's amazing it's amazingly beautiful yeah and essential. Yeah. <laughs> we need to believe that. Well, the other thing I wanted to add before we go is if you're reading your Bible and you look at verses 9 through 20, it's probably in italics and it probably has some something in parentheses that says the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. So whenever we do the podcast and we come across situations like this, I want to just give you a brief reminder why that is there. When the Bible was being written and being accumulated, like or, or multiplied, basically, there were scribes that would transcribe and multiply the biblical manuscripts that had been passed on throughout the early church history up into the like hundreds, you know, 500 AD, 600 AD. And it was in 1500, a guy named Erasmus was translating it into different languages, and he was using manuscripts they found in the 12th century that he was using. So obviously he did his best, all these manuscripts, which range anywhere from hundreds of manuscripts to thousands of manuscripts, they all say the same thing and affirm what the biblical you know, writers had said. He wrote this. So like the King James Version, for instance, is working off of manuscripts found later on. However, as time passed, more archaeologists found more manuscripts that dated up to nine centuries before that. Mm. So if you think about it, there are people who are digging, found scrolls and manuscripts that were closer to the time of Jesus. There were your 200s, 300s, 400s, etc. So then they use those manuscripts to transcribe the ESV and other Bible translations that we use today. So those earlier manuscripts didn't have verses 9 through 20 mm -hmm. in them, which is why they put that in here. And some people would say, it's heresy, it's crazy, why is that in the Bible? Well, you're right. It wasn't in the earliest manuscripts, but the good news is there's nothing heretical here. There's nothing here that would make you question anything else that's in the Bible. And a lot of the church fathers simply said, we're not going to acknowledge this as being part of the original round of scriptures. So if you go back, though, to like year 200, there's a man named Justin Martyr. I actually talked about him in the Easter sermon as well. He is aware of this ending. There's other church fathers, Tatian, Irenaeus in 150 AD, also were aware of different length, lengthy endings to some of the Gospels, and they worked primarily with verses 1 through 8. Hmm. So there's nothing heretical there. They're simply working off of manuscripts that we have and we found that dated uh, closer to the time of Jesus, so why would we not want the most accurate 
um, manuscripts to translate to English, but there's nothing heretical here. Doesn't contradict Jesus or his divinity or sin or the gospel of grace or anything like that. Yeah. So I want to just throw that in there real quick. Um, if you're reading, you're wondering where did this come from? Why is this in here? Why is it in italics? So, yeah. Yeah, I guess the hard passage in here that's not in the other gospels is 17 and 18. Yeah. Um, where it talks about these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they'll pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Mm -hmm. We know all these things happen, and you read Acts and you see them all happening. Yeah. But some people have taken that and said, well, if you're really saved, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go grab some rattlers, you know, yeah. let's pick up some snakes. <laughs> let's get wild. Let's drink some. Cyanide. So just to be clear, <laughs> we're not blessing or encouraging or endorsing that. And I would say any Orthodox, like normal Christian that holds to the biblical orthodoxy is also saying we're not encouraging that. What happened then after the church exploded was many Christians were poisoned and fed to uh, vicious animals and crazy things like that. So Yeah. Yeah. God used those signs to confirm the truthfulness of the movement because in its infancy, it was like, or very, it was very fringe. It was like yeah. Scientology or, yeah. I mean, not to pick on Scientology, but yeah. I mean, it was like one of something we would consider fringe. For sure. Um, so God had to confirm it somehow. And we're not encouraging that. So please do yes. don't go grab a rattler or drink cyanide, like yeah. Michael said. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, dude, thanks for coming in today. Appreciate yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks for all you do here at Emmanuel Behind the scenes making us be seen and heard and couldn't do without you hey. so again plug for him if you're interested in tech if you like playing with phones and ipads and lights and switches this guy you got to talk to him all right so thanks again for coming on thanks for listening and watching god bless you have a fantastic week god bless the lord bless you and keep you don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace have a great day.